Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? What's up, gamers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, today, we're talking about Echo Night. Yes. A classic. So good. Yes. Uh, it's an early, or, you know, maybe not early. It's an old FromSoft game. <laughs> the pre-Demon Souls, Dark Souls FromSoft. Yeah. Uh, playing it, I, w- I was thinking that it was much earlier than it was. But then I start, started looking at other games that came out in 1998, and I was like, man, maybe it's not that early. It just yeah. looks early. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And it's always interesting to talk about old FromSoft games. Basically anything before Demon Souls slash Dark Souls. Because they have a super different feel to them. Um, yeah. But they're also a lot like certain elements of Dark Souls. You can see the things that actually continued through to the stuff they do now. But it's also like mm-hmm. almost shockingly different. Well, FromSoft definitely pivoted when they found their secret sauce you know what i mean yeah totally um, i would actually be really interested in seeing them do other not soulsy things but i have a feeling they're gonna stick with that um secret recipe for a while well you know what has kind of been bumming me out for a couple of years now i think it came out a couple of years ago but now is like really bumming me out after replaying Echo Night is that they actually did do a first-person exploration-based adventure game. Hmm. But what? it was VR only. Oh, I mean, who cares? That doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And it it seems like it's similar to Echo Night in that it's kind of a like a bite-sized short uh, Mm. game. It's called Deracine. Think that's how you pronounce it it looks like it's a french word um yeah it looked really cool kind of had like a gothic look and feel to it um but yeah it basically doesn't exist to us because it was a psvr game oh playstation vr yeah okay yeah so i don't know i'd love to see that get a wider release or for them to do mm. more stuff like that i mean that's kind of the thing with FromSoft is it's like I love the atmosphere and the storytelling and all that stuff in the games, but I just like, I want to play a Dark Souls or Dark Souls type game like 1% of the time. <laughs> right. It's a big commitment. Yeah. Not only in terms of uh, time spent, but in skills learned. Yeah. Like, you could learn some real life skills in the time it takes for you to get good at a Souls game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I've basically been like practicing making hip hop beats and shit, which is way more fun to me than playing Dark Souls. <laughs> and I've, I've probably spent less time on that than I spent learning how to play Dark Souls, which is embarrassing. Do something, gamers. Do something. <laughs> Do something with your lives. Uh, before you move on to doing something with your life, a couple of reminders, as always. <laughs> This episode of Zero Brightness is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to help support the show. You also get an extra bonus episode every week, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. We're so busy doing episodes. So many episodes a week. You're welcome. Yeah. And all you got to do is give us some amount of money. We don't even tell you how much. It just has to be a dollar. Or more because um, we're not taking literal change yeah dollar or more but if you send me like a shitload of quarters like i'm cool with that 
Yeah, I do laundry in a coin machine. I'm, I'm down. Uh, and as always, Zero Brightness is a club. At the end of the episode, we tell you what we are playing next. If you want to play the games along with us at home or in order, like mm-hmm. we have enough episodes now that you could just be like listening through and playing all these games in order, which would be a really weird and kind of cool thing to do. <laughs> Um, we're getting up there, man. We, we totally just did a 40th episode and didn't mention it at all. So it's wild. Yeah. Almost to 50, which is halfway to a hundred. That's we'll, crazy. We'll have to do something special for 50. Oh yeah. We're going to have to start thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Not today. Gamer. Today we're playing echo night. Yeah. So echo night, kind of a later <laughs> PS one game. Man, okay, 1998. Uh, I, the PS1 released in 95. We're kind of like right before the the halfway point of the cycle because you know PS1 stuck around for a while. A lot of great shit came out in 1998. Yeah. Like holy lord. Uh, we got Resident Evil 2, Metal Gear Solid, Parasite Eve, um, just countless other fantastic classic ps1 games right and echo knight was smack dab in the middle of that right and when you compare it to other games uh of that year it does look pretty primitive um especially you know these blockbuster games coming out like re2 and metal gear solid like um 98 was really where companies were upping the ante on quality you know we're getting like cinematic games essentially for sure the thing about echo knight though that stands out to me is first of all it's the original walking sim <laughs> which is kind of crazy like at the time there was nothing else like this mm. uh i mean you could say mist or you could say point and click adventure games but the seamless right. and interactive way that it did that type of game makes it stand out a lot and it really is a walking sim straight up like if you play it after having recently played a more like a newer walking sim it's mm-hmm. it feels like it's the exact same genre the other thing yeah. is that i do think some of the presentation stuff in this game is really good and it looks really good for a ps1 game the two big things being the character models and the like camera movement and presentation mm. on some of the like establishing shots yeah like there's some crazy stuff that I was like, this is a PS one game. That's crazy. Well, th- there are some concessions like uh, no spoilers, but there are ghosts in this game <laughs> and the ghosts are essentially just like transparent models, character models. So, I mean, you don't get a lot of detail in things like that where I th- would think it matters, but the, the ship that you're on uh, another spoiler, the game takes place mostly on a ship. Uh, the ship you're on has a lot of character and um, interesting design to it. Yeah, the environments are really cool. They make up for the lack of fidelity with great design. Um, mm-hmm. Everything just has a lot of atmosphere. Everything just has a lot of sauce. And everything is designed in a cool way because every room, well, not almost every room in the game starts out in darkness. And your goal is to turn the lights on. We'll talk about that later. It's like a gameplay mechanic, (laughs) right? Strangely enough. Yeah. And about halfway through the game, I kind of started to notice that I was like, 
these environments were all designed specifically so that they could be in darkness and look one way and then be in light and look another way. Mm. And that's even cool for today, but that's especially cool for the time where like, yeah, the dominant horror game of this year would have been Resident Evil 2, which just had pre-rendered backgrounds, for example. Yeah. And like, well, dynamic lighting was not a thing. Well, it's the thing is, it's not dynamic lighting. It's all baked in lighting. But they had to think of it at, of at like it was dynamic. Yeah, you know, that's they, what I they mean. faked it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, and that's still like super impressive to me. I really like the look of this game, though. It's it's funny too. Like after playing some the fake PS One looking games, like when you play mm-hmm. a really good looking PS One game, you're like, oh man, you cannot fake the funk. Like this is this is the well, real deal. It's so like aesthetic, right? Yeah. In like in that vaporwave font with spaces between all the letters. Well, um. and that's what I've always said about <laughs> FromSoft is that I don't know what it is, but they still do it. Like even their newer games have the same fonts and have kind of the same look and feel. Like <laughs> they just nailed that PS1 era aesthetic and they just never fully let go of it, which I think is is fucking rad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this game th- builds on the aesthetic and atmosphere pretty heavy but it never gets scary <laughs> which is kind of unfortunate but um uh, well uh, you know i feel like the sequels did better with that when i was a kid i played echo night beyond and that game was legitimately spooky to me as a teenager so yeah echo night beyond is a big step in a different mm-hmm. direction it's it is actually spooky i think the thing that this game does well is that it does have tension Mm. and it's unexpected in any walking sim but especially in the original walking sim (laughs) yeah it's it well it's interesting to talk about this one in that context of walking sim because you know when i play it i i just don't think that because it's not the right era for walking sim but i mean it checks all the walking sim boxes so it is interesting to look back on this game as that and kind of recontextualize it yeah totally because i also think okay so this was totally one of those games from this era that you may have played at a friend's house or rented from a video rental store popped it in played maybe an hour tops and just been like i don't fucking get this (laughs) and then turned it off which was like basically my experience with this game like okay and i played a lot of games in this style or that or in that style i mean and some of them stuck with me as like this is cool right like Mm. this is a cool game but i i don't know like i just don't have the money or the time to like buy it and finish it right Mm. and like i think going back to it now it's way more enjoyable because of the context of walking sims like because we know what a game like this is i feel the same way about the like super famicom clock tower like i played it and enjoyed it back in the day as of like on an emulator but going back to it now i enjoyed it way more because i had the context of playing later games in the series that i had different feelings about and also like Mm. playing other games not necessarily in the style but that had the same ideological like aims and so it's like okay i get it i get what i'm supposed to do i get how this game is supposed to work nice i never got to play this one uh back in the day but um 
like I said, I played through Beyond as a teenager, and I really love that game. Yeah. So one, it's really cool to, you know, revisit this game now, and also I'm just like really looking forward to playing Beyond again for the show. So. Yeah. I mean, the other thing about Echo Knight, it's a weird series. We've talked about this before on the show, but it has, there's three entries in the Echo Knight series. Uh, Echo Knight 2 never came out in America, but there was like a translation that was done or mostly done. Fan fan patch, totally uh, functional. Right. We got to do it. So we can play it now, but we couldn't mm-hmm. before. And then we got Echo Knight Beyond, which is such a different game. Like, if you didn't know that there was a second game in the series, you would think it was like an insane reboot, right? Because it's like <laughs> so different. And so I think, once again, without the context, I think Echo Knight Beyond stands on its own. But without the context, the original Echo Knight maybe would have seemed a little clunky or a little impenetrable is probably the better word where it's like what am i even doing here well it does share some gameplay themes like the goal is basically you know like solving ghosts uh worldly problems so they can transcend right right um and that was a a theme and you know all the echo knight games Um, right but yeah in terms of like uh narrative and storytelling and just atmosphere and setting uh these games couldn't be uh more different right and i mean so this game does a lot with a little right like mm-hmm. the, basically in the game you're either watching cutscenes or you're walking around collecting items and talking to ghosts turning on light switches and turning on light switches (laughs) so yeah basically the flow of the game is you enter a new area you meet Mm -hmm. you know one to three ghosts that you Mm -hmm. need to solve their problem usually by finding an item or completing a task Mm -hmm. Uh, and while you're doing this there's one bad ghost that is hunting you any room that doesn't have the lights on this ghost can be in and it can hunt and kill you uh (laughs) you have a little health bar the ghost will attack and damage you you get healing items you can't Mm -hmm. fight back however you can once you've completed all the good ghosts or non-violent ghosts i should say tasks uh, you'll usually get an item that will let you neutralize the bad ghost Right. And if you do manage to get all the lights on, the bad ghosts won't attack you, but you still will have to deal with it at the end of the area. Uh, the bad ghosts actually ha- get um, textures, while all the good ghosts are just like black shadows. Yeah. Um, all of their animations are super janky and funny and hilarious. Right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing too, though, and this is what made me think of Dark Souls, right? Like people have made a lot of Dark Souls story and presentation of its characters because they're really fucking weird. Like everybody yeah. in Dark Souls is depressed and speaks in a very stilted way. They end every mm-hmm. sentence with <laughs> and like <laughs> they're just really bizarre and uncanny. And it's maybe more bizarre and uncanny now because like graphics tech is good enough that they can look cool. Like they're well rendered 3d characters, but 
mm-hmm. going back to this game, you kind of see the origin story of that, which is that they had these, <laughs> yeah, they're just these sort of semi-transparent shadow characters, very, very rudimentary models. And mm-hmm. giving them this weird style and pattern of speaking is actually really cool because it characterizes them. Right. So one thing to mention on that is that the the voice acting is all very weird. Yeah. It's almost like the actors had no idea of the context of their lines. Yeah. So all the performance is just super weird, like weirder than Silent Hill 2. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, uh, it's just uh, it's awful and hilarious, but it's aesthetic with the spaces in between the letters yeah it like works though that's the thing and it's similar to silent hill one or two where like it works because it's so weird and yeah i yeah i really really liked it and like i said it brings to mind the dark souls thing because everyone seems to love that and so it's like oh yeah it's it's just because it works and there's even a couple characters who whose voice acting like really works um that we'll we'll talk about later i'm sure but yeah i like it a lot once again this game's strength is that it does a lot with a little so Mm. even like giving those characters these weird voices but also giving them something to in the environment to characterize them so like there's one ghost that's laying in a hallway with an empty glass next to him and he's like Mm -hmm. a drunk and it's like oh okay well like that's like this person or you know you meet a doctor who's like very protective of their files and they're like super aggressive (laughs) in the way that they move and it's like oh okay you know there's a lot into it and then they all have these weird voices and these uncanny ways of speaking one thing that this game does it's trend setting in the realm of first person spooky games is that you save with all the phones just like in alien isolation yeah for sure (laughs) so just like in in any hallway you'll find a phone and you can say if there's no like ink ribbons or anything like resident evil which actually makes it pretty chill because like if you know something bad's gonna happen you can just save and keep trying over and over until you get it right yeah even though it's pretty hard to die in this game yeah i think i only died once yeah i think i died once right at the beginning and then the rest of the time i was i was just a monster had so many healing items nothing could kill me (laughs) Yeah. Um, the soundtrack is pretty cool, even though it's only like incidental um, music most of yeah. the time. It fits really well. Um, I guess kind of like a Dark Souls game, because, uh, you know, only when you get to the boss, there's music. So Right. Yeah. Well, and so that's another example of this game doing a lot with a little. I think the atmosphere in this game is awesome. This game is surprisingly approachable for like an old ps1 horror game because like you're saying it's all about just the atmosphere which is very slow and silent there's not a lot of music there's good sound so a lot of times it's like just footsteps and then people talking um when music does kick in it's very impactful because of that uh and it it's a really good way to build tension like for example i think you know you're walking around just solving puzzles and speaking to people so much that that's what I was referencing earlier. When you enter a room where there is a ghost, it's really tense and Mm. there's some good oh shit moments because you also don't have a map. Well, I got a map. I guess you didn't get the map. (laughs) There is a map? 
there's totally a map. It's not like 100% perfect, but there is a map. Yeah. Okay, I remember getting map, but... <laughs> Wait, why did I say that with an accent? <laughs> I remember getting map. <laughs> How do I look at it? I couldn't look at it. I think it. it was... If you hit slam that select button, bro, there's map on the menu. I don't... Oh, weird. Because I remember getting map but i never look at map <laughs> brutal yeah there's totally a map god damn it uh well anyway i was just kind of wandering around i mean it's it's not a hard layout to memorize it's not like super mazy until the it, end. it can be confusing because all the um textures are very samey yeah but um once it all opens up towards the end of the game i thought it was really cool like traversing the uh the entirety of the ship yeah for sure but for me it was just cool that there were moments where you'd go in the wrong door and the ghost would charge at you and be like oh shit (laughs) like yeah i thought it was a good device and it was also cool because it tied into the gameplay so like i mentioned earlier ghosts won't enter rooms where the lights are on so Mm -hmm. early on in the game you're just going around turning on all the lights in some of the later areas there are like electrical problems so yeah. you have to maybe solve a puzzle and then you can turn on the lights. Mm-hmm. It's cool because it's just another exploration puzzle that I thought was like really, really neat and sure. kind of made you engage with the world a little bit more. And there are some clever puzzles. Like there's a fuse box you need to fix, but you never find a fuse. turns out you need to just use like a fat gauge wire that you find and jerry rig it to make it work, which yeah. is cool. You know, yeah. it's clever things. It's not just like uh, clear puzzles all of the time, you know? Yeah, totally. Like the one where you have to mix the guy a drink, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah, totally. There's some good sort of obtuse survival horror puzzling in there. Um, it's a cool game flow. Yeah, I, I ended up liking the puzzle a lot. I mean, the game doesn't tell you what to do at all. Mm, so yeah. you're definitely kind of on your own. Yeah. So like we were talking about earlier, um, the gameplay boils down to basically like solving these ghosts problems, but not all of them can be solved on the ship. A lot of times you'll be warped to a different location or a different place in time to solve a ghost's problem. And these are cool and unique because they're, they have nothing to do with the ship. You might be like teleported to like a castle or a dock or something like that, like a hotel. And so, you know, for five to 10 minutes, you're exploring like a completely different area, maybe getting an important item to the ghost and then you get warped back and then you can like give the ghost the item and they'll disappear. I was going to say, is this something we talked about with uh, devotion that, I really liked in that game how it would take you to different environments and show you different things because walking sims can get super samey mm-hmm. and you just feel like, ugh, I'm just stuck in this fucking bunker. Ugh, I want to see the yeah. sun. And I think this game weirdly nails that aspect of it. And it's, it's also cool cause it's very mysterious. Like the beginning of the game is you going into your dad's house and <laughs> you find a book that transports you onto a ship. No explanation. It's just like magic. And then yeah. the more you talk to people on the ship, you keep getting transported to other places. I think it's really cool. It really breaks up what may have been otherwise monotonous. Totally. It goes from just being like a haunted house to uh, 
something else, you know? Yeah. It, it actually does a lot of things that Layers of Fear 2 tries to do, but, like, better. Yeah. Well, it's it's still not scary at all, but at least it had compelling puzzles, you know? Imagine if Layers of Fear 2 tried to clone something like this. You know, that would be really cool. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. and I think that with Walking Sims, it's an interesting genre because a lot of the early big and flinch ones were not horror games, mm. but they all sort of had presentation and story elements that seem straight out of a horror game. Sure. Like dear Esther. Yeah. Or yeah. gone home. I mean, yeah. it's impossible to talk about gone home without talking about the expectation that it will be a supernatural horror game. Right. That's part of why the ending is so good because it, it subverts that and a bunch of other expectations that the player has, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think Walking Sims inherently are these sort of horror-adjacent or maybe like non-scary horror games. <laughs> and yeah, sure. So I sort of view them more as these like atmospheric, aesthetic experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think Echo Knight is so fucking good. One more technical thing before we move on. This is one of the early 3D first-person games where you can actually just like pick up and interact with objects and like move them around you can actually like pick up a chair and move it right which is kind of mind-blowing how early it is i don't know it just feels like something like uh you know like uh games like half-life 2 and portal would let you do yeah for sure and i mentioned that it's a lot like penumbra which was like Mm. uh the first frictional game uh the people who made amnesia and soma And they, one of the big things on a tech level for that game was that they developed a really detailed physics engine. So they had all these like physics puzzles where you moved items around Mm -hmm. and it's crazy that this game beat them to it by quite a bit, you know? Yeah. I think the most, you know, like physics-y thing you can do is um, barricade a door so a ghost can't get out. But still, it's pretty impressive for the uh, time. For sure. And you have to do some of that stuff to solve puzzles. So yeah, you have to barricade a door. You have to like move some pieces of furniture and it's, you know, when you first realize you can do that, you're like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so another, there is one more thing we should talk about on a technical level, which is the controls. (laughs) Oh, oh yes. So they're kind of a nightmare, right? But you can fix them. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you based X pattern. Yeah. So if you want the official zero brightness recommendation, number one is emulate this fucking game. Uh, <laughs> Cause if you want to go for the good ending, you kind of need save states low key. Uh, Cause there's like a couple tasks you have to do that are kind of dumb and you're going to want save states. <laughs> uh, the other thing though, is the controls. So what you can do is run this game on an emulator and then you can run XPatter, which is a uh, controller emulation software in the background. Uh, and you can basically map the shoulder buttons to the right thumbstick on either like an Xbox One gamepad or a DualShock style yeah. gamepad. This was before first person controls were kind of standardized. Yeah. So you know on the d-pad up and down is forward and backwards mm-hmm. but left and right are turn yeah and and then i think you use the shoulder buttons to look up and down and to strafe yes kind of a nightmare yeah so you can map look up 
to thumbstick up, <laughs> look down to thumbstick down, and then yeah. yeah, strafe left and right to the left and right. It's not analog, but it's still better than playing it with that janky ass control scheme yeah it feels good and this is actually a hot tip for any old survival horror game is emulate it and then basically make fake dual stick controls for it yeah Uh, that's like a thing that i've done before and really really enjoyed but Mm -hmm. it is it is kind of funny this control scheme was not uncommon i mean that's actually my argument for why the controls in goldeneye are really good because they kind of did a similar thing, except they also had a control scheme you could use that mapped that shit to the C buttons, mm-hmm. which were kind of in the same place as like a second thumbstick. So you can do janky early dual stick controls while playing Goldeneye. I'm not going to talk about Goldeneye. Yeah, I know. But I'm just <laughs> saying that's one of my arguments for why Goldeneye is actually like pretty fucking bomb. Mm-hmm. But yep. anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you don't do that the controls in this game they're not impossible by any means i i did play it a little bit to just to get the uh you know authentic experience but it's not fun (laughs) no not at all and it it is funny because when you go into the um control options it'll let you choose between echo knight and kingsfield style control schemes right so i thought kingsfield was a little better to be honest yeah. At least L1 and R1 were strafe. Yeah. Um, the default, I think, has L1 and L2 as strafe left and right. And that makes no sense at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Kingsfield being the big first person dungeon explorer action game that From Software made at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely emulate this game. Make your own fake dual stick controls and you'll have a lot more fun with it. Oh, uh, we were talking about health earlier. Um, Not only is there a health bar, but you can also get possessed by malevolent ghosts. And so your vision starts getting dark. But you can buy potions for that from a mysterious character we haven't talked about yet. Um, There's a guy living in an observatory that you can warp to once you find a comet book. A book about comets? Not a comic book, like yeah, Batman. a comic book. <laughs> yeah. Um, so y- you can find these sort of like sun crests all over the ship, and if you use the comet book on the sun crests, you can warp to the uh, observatory and give this guy the souls that you've collected from the um, ghosts that you helped ascend, and he will trade you potions for your ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and if you haven't, you know, this is a good segue into talking about the story in this game, because if you haven't already picked it up, it's fucking (laughs) bonkers. It makes zero sense. And it's great. (laughs) Like, yes, it, well, it makes at least one sense. I mean, (laughs) I don't, that's a pretty hot take to me. (laughs) But, like, I don't know. So, another thing that I think characterizes the FromSoft storytelling style that has continued on into Dark Souls is that, like, they don't give a shit, dude. (laughs) And it's also another thing that I think makes this game great because you don't do a lot in this game. It's mostly just, like, experiencing the story and talking to people and looking at things. But, like, it's 
it makes it also makes no sense and that's such an amazing like bold choice (laughs) that also you know kind of feels like a a big walking sim thing that would continue on with the genre right (laughs) yeah I i guess i think that is one of the hallmarks of walking sim games that made gamers dislike them so much because and we i think we brought this up or i brought this up last episode that like video games are such a weird medium for storytelling because sure they're not primarily a medium for storytelling they're primarily a medium for interaction gameplay mechanics yeah right so it's gonna be a game first yeah so when you start to tell a story in that medium people just inherently expect it to be straightforward or transactional right where it's like okay i beat this level so now i get more story beats when I keep beating levels, I keep getting story, and the story will eventually explain itself and come together in the same way that the gameplay does. Like, I level up my character, the bosses get harder, my skills increase, eventually I beat the game. And then the game gives me the story in the same way, right? Sure. So it's kind of like inherently jarring to gamers when a game doesn't do that, even mm. though, number one, that's where every game has been moving for the past 30 years. And number two, it's a horrible way to tell a story if it just wraps itself up and has no like intrigue or anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're yeah. basically just writing a lifetime movie at that point um, <laughs> or like a bad soap opera. And so I think with Walking Sins, it's like the most extreme uh, version of one end of that spectrum where it's like there's almost no traditional gameplay or gameplay elements and also your reward quote unquote for experiencing the game is a story that makes no sense so it's like <laughs> you're putting input but the output you're getting is just very strange and confusing which is like awesome obviously like mm-hmm. that sounds fucking great to some fucking zonked out art weirdos like us <laughs> but then you can see why there's a lot of people who like don't like that yeah well there's there there's a lot of gaminess here. I mean, you're you're collecting stuff to sell to a guy. Um, you know, there there are bad guys to defeat. You know, there's a health bar. You know, things like that. But it's so minimal in a way, and it's like I feel like it's really not about that. Like when my health bar popped up, I was like, oh, there's a health bar. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what I think is cool about this type of game oh also there's a damn ghost casino and you could play freaking blackjack with ghosts come on <laughs> but only after you've played enough roulette with ghosts <laughs> right <laughs> you gotta be that ghost high roller yeah you gotta be you gotta be the big daddy to these ghosts but i mean that's what is so cool about these games in general is that they're just so unbothered with like just trying to give you something that can be easily explained mm-hmm. and it once again i mean i'm gonna keep coming back to this point echo knight impressed the hell out of me because it came to this conclusion like you know 20 something years ago <laughs> and sure. is one of the first real examples of the genre if maybe not the first and it just nails it 
Yeah, I feel like a lot of the, when I think of similar games like this, they end up being like the full motion video games, like uh, D or Mist, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and that's another thing too. I mean, this game is very different from those games. And uh-huh. I, I think a big reason is that it's such a video game. Like, it's got items, it's got, you know, menu screens, it's got a health bar, and also it's got this wacky fucking story that you would expect to see, I don't know, like in a third-person action game, maybe, or something. It's kind of Indiana Jonesy or something, you know? Yeah. Okay, so we've been avoiding it long enough. (laughs) Let's try to talk about this story a little bit, I guess. Yeah, we gotta. So you're like a dude. Your dad is dead and the house is burned down. You show up to the house and there's a cop there that lets you in. You're kind of looking around. Well, hold on. See, already I have to stop you for something that's like so weird, right? Because okay. number one, you're okay. driven there by the cop. And number two, he's so judgy. <laughs> like, he's just like, man, your dad fucking sucked. He was such a weirdo. He disappeared. He couldn't even come home after his house burned out. What the fuck? Your dad was such a loser. All right, look around the house. I guess you loser. What even is this house? This house sucks. Your dad lived here? Wow. Okay. <laughs> that is, that's like all literally shit he says in the game. It's fucking awesome. It's like, how is this the intro? <laughs> Yeah. Well, so your loser ass starts looking around the house. You find this book you were talking to, and I think you're warped to that train scene. Yes. Yep. There's a freaking, all of a sudden you're on a freaking moving train. Mm -hmm. And there's like an old man killing people and a little girl that's his granddaughter. Yeah. And uh, you see a murder happen between a younger guy and this old man with a... I guess he's like stabbing people or something with a knife. Yeah. He's got some kind of cursed knife. Yeah. So turns out the murder you saw wasn't really a murder. That guy that was uh, attacked was actually your dad as a young man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he was like an assassin sent to kill this other guy who's evil and who has this like ancient evil possessed relic that's making him even more evil indeed and yeah so then you are warped back to the house and this is after you found a secret passage obviously clearly confirming that the cop is wrong uh because fuck the police (laughs) and also because your dad was cool enough to have a secret passage clearly not a loser thanks a lot pig anyway don't talk to cops yeah fuck the cops dude so anyway he goes down you go down in the basement you find another book i think and then you're transported to a ship full of ghosts yes isn't it great yeah. Weekend at Bernie's for <laughs> Echo Night 1. Yeah. And so it's established pretty quickly that it's like, okay, you need to explore the ship, solve mm-hmm. the ghost problems. There's uh, this little girl ghost that keeps floating around and throwing you around. Yeah. And uh, the animation's horrible and it's really weird and it's fantastic <laughs> and I love it all. Yeah exactly flip that switch (laughs) 
every room you walk in, the first thing you do is turn around and turn the lights on. Yeah. Because the light switch is always by the door. There's, okay, so there's this developer interview floating around from the 90s. It was translated by somebody fantastic. And um, they talked to one of the, the artists, and she said her job for, like, several weeks was, like, making a bunch of different light switch designs. And some of these light switch designs in this game are, like, pretty outlandish. She said she was just coming up with them because she couldn't, like, you know, it was, like, 1997 or whatever. She couldn't, like, Google, like passenger cruise ship light switch designs right. in different versions yeah yeah there's a lot of attention to detail and design in this game on stuff that doesn't have any bearing on the game really yeah what? i mean even desks will have drawers that open and close um, yeah lots of stuff like that yeah i mean there's like decorations you know there's trimming on you know rooms there's all sorts of stuff that like it's very cool it looks cool it's way ahead of its time i mean even now when we think about games all have this crazy level of detail but even a lot of like popular games wouldn't put that much detail into something that doesn't actually directly affect the gameplay Mm. you know like it's it's really cool to see and also once again if you like that old ps1 aesthetic it's just like candy because like you get to see this whole really well rendered environment you get to explore it and it's in that aesthetic it's super cool super chonky there's like no visual effects at all like there's no motion blur or like object blur or anything yeah you know the kind of stuff that like metal gear solid made famous yeah and everybody started using yeah Oh, for sure. There is, like, a really good weight and feel to the walking, though. I mean, considering that mostly what you do is walk, you know. I want to shout-outs to the walking. Yeah, another thing that that came up in the developer interview was talking about how anal the sound guy was about getting different uh, footstep sounds. Yeah. They said they have about, like, ten different pairs of footstep sounds for different uh, surfaces they were walking on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, number one that stuff matters in a game where you mostly just walk around <laughs> and you sure. can tell number two uh it's really annoying when it's off i can't remember i think it's silent hill 2 that has like the worst footstep sounds ever oh, really? <laughs> i think it's just this loud chonky like cronk, 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 no matter where you are or what type of ground mm. you're walking on maybe i'm thinking of a different game i don't want to slander silent hill 2's footsteps <laughs> you know ignorantly but there's like some classic survival horror game that has like the worst footstep sounds i remember like immediately going into the options menu and just turning it down so i was like mm-hmm. this is such trash dude thank you for listening to zero brightness if you'd like to support us directly you can go to patreon.com zero brightness you can also find and interact with us on facebook Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. Yeah, so the story. I don't even know where to go with it. I mean, So, um, okay, you're on the ship, and (laughs) as you help these ghosts, you unlock new areas of the ship, like we mentioned before. Uh, It is very... Also, again, ahead of its time, it's a lot about traversal, 
unlocking shortcuts. You find some shortcuts. You find a lot of bathrooms that you don't do anything in or actually ever need to go in per se, which is once again, very fucking cool. You can turn the valves on all the baths and you never need to do that ever in the game. Uh, I did at least three times. Yeah. You got Just cause. Yeah. Uh, and so you're, you're opening up new areas of the ship. You're finding, you know, new ghosts to speak to and blah, blah, blah. And, as you do this, you sort of start to piece together uh, the story of what's going on with these stones and with this ship, etc., etc., etc. This is another thing I'm going to give this game in terms of not only being ahead of its time, but also being very cool. We've been talking a lot about like broken narrative, uh, out of order narrative on the show mm-hmm. lately because we just have been playing games like that a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this game does that really, really well. Uh, like a really cool device that it'll do. It'll introduce you to a character. You'll play through this character's little story. Like you'll get teleported to another time or place. Like we mentioned earlier, you'll Mm -hmm. play through his character story in the course of that. You'll meet another character who you'll either meet again later in a scenario or who you'll meet as a ghost. Uh, or you'll get an item that you need to give to another character in another scenario. It is bananas. Like think about the planning (laughs) that goes into that and the layers that are going on there. It's fucking crazy. Cause also the whole game you're on a ship that you teleported to from another place and you're teleporting (laughs) to other places and you're piecing together this whole series of events that happened. It's crazy. Yeah. They basically inception ripped this off. Oh, yeah, totally. This is not only the original walking sim, it's the original Inception. Get out of here. Get out of here. Fucking get out of here. The series of events then, as far as I can tell, basically, you. so you know that your dad was on this quest to kill this evil dude who had this red stone. As you go on, you find out that they're, through helping this little boy who was looking for his sister that his sister was another person who was sort of on a quest to stop this guy with the red stone. Uh, she had a blue stone <laughs> mm. and she's kind of also an assassin who keeps like coming into contact with this family. Okay. So is that, is the, I think that's the granddaughter though, right from the train, but she's older. I think so as well. Her name's Kreia. Yeah, I think that's the granddaughter. Right. The train. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, I mean, like, the story, you know, maybe it doesn't make a ton of sense, but it is cool and it has a lot of layers to it that I think are cool. (laughs) Yeah. And I think also on that train scene that we were talking about. Yeah. um, Your dad hands the little girl the blue stone and that's how she gets it. Right. And then later on, she becomes like the assassin, trying to stop Grandpa. Yeah, so that's correct. They're called the Rockwells. That's the name okay. of their their family. Now, uh, William Rockwell is the big bad guy who's possessed by the Red Stone. Craze's mm, um, yeah. granddaughter. You also meet his kids, who are a pair of ghosts in the mansion. Um, I mean, they're adults, but they're his like direct descendants. 
yeah. uh, who are a pair of ghosts in the mansion who help you stop him by helping you like progress on through the mansion. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It, it feels like a mansion, right? But it's on the ship. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like towards the end of the game, you're, you're really getting into this Rockwell story. And you get to this part of the ship that's basically like just like built out like a house, which is really strange. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. And essentially the, the overarching story is that this dude, uh, the elder Rockwell, basically is possessed by a stone. He's super fucking evil. And he just goes around killing everybody the minute that people figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. because there is something really cool here. There's like this underlying narrative that his family line and, or maybe just him has had the stone for centuries Mm. and they've basically been using it to influence, to gain like influence and wealth. And so that's how they're so like crazy rich and powerful. Yeah. Cause it shows you sort of the origins of this by going back to like medieval times yeah which is super weird yeah uh you you witness the assassination of a king and then like the king becomes like a ghost on the ship trying to kill you yeah like what the fuck is going on with that story yeah it's crazy but it's also similar to like the whole thing with the stones because like you said it's like the granddaughter has this blue stone but you get part of it as like Mm -hmm. an item that you carry around for almost the whole game yeah um so there's this weird time and space thing happening where like things can jump back and forth between eras and places based on you interacting with them. You're almost, Mm -hmm. even though you're not a ghost and people explicitly say like, Oh, you're not a ghost. You sort of are because you're jumping around and time traveling and doing all this shit. A little bit of a quantum leap vibe to the game. Yeah. I was going to say that actually. Yeah. (laughs) Agree. Um, Yeah. So I mean, there's four endings to the game, and I mean, I kind of got a bad one, but good. I don't know. It's all really confusing, but I'm not a huge fan of this story anyways. Like, my enjoyment of this game comes from other things. Well... Which is weird to say for kind of like a spooky game like this. Yeah, but like I said, it's kind of not weird because it makes zero sense. And it's told in such a bizarre way that it's more like you're just enjoying the experience and seeing new environments and all that kind of shit than you are like mm. explicitly riveted by this bizarre fucking story, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, my interest in the story was pretty low. I, you know, I liked it. I thought it was cool because like I said, it's sort of like a weird like sci-fi movie, like the tv channel sci-fi yeah movie yeah. uh mixed with like a, a story from an old rpg mixed with indiana jones <laughs> it's really weird the thing i liked yeah. is how it showed you all these different eras and kind of tried to show you this hundreds of years of history of this bizarre like conflict going on with this family that's like possessed yeah I think what I enjoyed the most was the moment-to-moment stuff, just, like, the the personal, like, friendship-making interactions between, like, you and the ghosts, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. More than the overarching kind of time travel weirdness theme. Well, and that's kind of the real magic of the game. So, one thing to bring up Dark Souls again, uh, 
In, friendship. Yeah, friendship. <laughs> well, one thing that people seem to really like about Dark Souls and the storytelling is that it's got this sad, mournful, emotional vibe to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like, the actual overarching story of any Dark Souls game doesn't make a ton of sense, nor is it very explicit about what's going on. However, the moment-to-moment stuff like you're talking about, like speaking to the characters, maybe doing side quests, or the sort of emotional tone of even the big events that happened in the game, is very sad and mournful and emotional. Mm. And it was funny to go back and play this game, because this game is the exact same way. Like, Hmm. some of this stuff is really weirdly sad, and you just get this, like, really kind of emotional quality from talking to all these ghosts and helping these ghosts out, and, like, just trying to help them with their problems and get them to leave this place because the other thing the insinuation here is that everybody on the ship was murdered by one dude because they had tried to stop him and so he went around and just killed all these people like it's crazy and you even see a little bit of it in cutscenes. and so i don't know i really appreciated just that the game had this sort of mournful emotional tone to it that's another thing that makes it feel very modern to me it's not just a haunted house full of ghosts it's like you know a bunch of people in therapy or something (laughs) (laughs) that's true post-mortem therapy yeah it's very different from something where it's like ooh, ghosts even something like fatal frame where you are trying to understand the ghosts and what they went through and what happened to them you still have to fight them you know yeah like the fact that you don't in this game just gives it a very very different feel Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean i mean uh, echo night beyond really did the same thing but it was so much more successful at scaring me oh yeah Um, it was also like 10 years later or something (laughs) right like yeah i'm just super looking forward to playing uh not only the sequel to this one but beyond yeah dude i love echo night beyond yeah well i mean you know i it's it's funny because this game is the sort of game where you can just dog on incessantly because it's like it's super sluggish and it's not scary at all and the animations are bad and blah 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 but it's just got a little bit of uh i don't know something something intangible that's like got a lot of charm to it yeah that's i guess that's what i'm trying to get at is that it's got heart it's got emotion and that's what i think really carries a game like this that's what i think makes a game of this style great as opposed to Mm -hmm. one that's mediocre i mean i think to go back to our favorite pastime which is shitting on layers of fear uh i mean i think with that game the story and the characterization all that stuff was so shitty that ultimately you were just left to rely on the set pieces and the particular scares and the environments and things like that to carry the game. And they just don't. Right. Mm, And there's other bad walking Sims. I don't know why I just always come back to that one, but like, I mean, we're on a ghost ship. We can talk about layers of fear too, a little bit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks James. (laughs) (laughs) sometimes i feel bad with games i just keep dumping on like yeah we're big in poland too those devs probably heard us oh yeah totally. like like, fuck these guys (laughs) fuck these guys but hey we love observer and we love blair witch like true oh yeah observer 2 just got announced 
kind of big right? hype everybody whoop whoop yeah. yeah yeah but like you know so that's one side of another like side side note here is that i don't like dumping on games you can really shit on this game a lot if you wanted to oh, like yeah. the controls are clunky the game is very slow and i mean there are you know a few bad guys which both adds an element of gaminess but also just adds an element of annoyance like you could definitely argue like sure. why are these even in here the reason i liked all of that stuff though is that in this game even though in certain other games I didn't like the game we're going to talk about next (laughs) Uh, is that I think everything serves the vision here. Like Mm. you walk slow, but the characters also talk slow and the whole speed of the game runs at a certain clip and things are delivered and presented in a certain specific way where everything comes together like it all becomes the game's style and aesthetic rather than pulling away from that central core, you know? Hmm. I will say, like I said earlier, I do super recommend emulating this so that you can set up the controls however you want. Yeah, that's crucial, especially for younger players. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like with this game, it's such a, like, aesthetic you know kind of wavy experience that the more things that stand in your way of enjoying the atmosphere and the story the worse the experience is so just being able to make those little changes and make it a little smoother i think really helps the game a lot uh i did take a couple days off while playing it and jumping back into it was kind of confusing like i didn't know what the hell i was doing so it, it might be better to play in like one or two chunks just because this game, a, a lot of times, it, it really doesn't want to tell you what to do next. Yeah, that's what I did. I played it in like two chunks in two days. Yeah. Um, it's not a very long game. Less than six hours. Oh, way less. Yeah. Um, it's it's cool. Uh, but yeah, you, you want to play it in a couple chunks. You want to get the controls set up so you can just vibe out and enjoy it. I mean, it's it's such a slow, atmospheric experience Mm -hmm. i think that's the other thing too that you really want to be ready for and like you want to have you know yeah i mean it is similar to certain other games we've covered or certain other games out there where it's like if you're not really in the mood for a game that's just like slow and kind of relaxing like you're not gonna want to play this game but if you are it is really relaxing I, i actually felt very like chill playing this game yeah, I do wish it was spookier, though. Yeah. It really could be spookier. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. But hey, that's what the sequels are for. Yeah. Um, so there are four innings, and um, none of them are, like, great. But there is one where you, like, kill a cop. So, like, I'm going to call that one the good ending. And I got the good ending. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this game has four endings, and they're ranked from good to very bad, but there aren't a lot of huge differences between, like, the two good endings, and also the implications of all of them are kind of the same. Mm, Yeah, basically, yeah. So, okay, at the end of the game, you're down kind of in the bowels of the ship, uh, which you've been for a while, 
and <laughs> you're you're in like the engine room and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and you find out that well you find your dad in there uh, <laughs> yeah you don't ask yeah i don't know <laughs> but and so the whole time you've been trying to get this blue stones so you can nullify this red stone you've been time traveling and helping out Kreia throughout time the, you know this woman who's the other central plot figure mm-hmm. uh, and you finally have it and so you're like okay let's go down there so you go down there and it turns out your dad is there he's evil because he wants the red stone he's fully torqued and he's trying to go all Tetsuo and become like a red stone <laughs> monster and merge with it or whatever yeah and so he's hiding in a room that doesn't have light so you got to go around do some puzzles turn the lights on murk your dad uh (laughs) merge the two stones so now there's like they're neutralized there's Mm -hmm. no more evil redstone and then the ship starts falling apart and there's a random timed challenge yeah uh which number one i'm gonna call bullshit on that uh you have to run from one side of the ship to the other oh boy but it's like why would they even throw that in there it's because so resident shitty. evil <laughs> yeah it definitely breaks the flow though <laughs> of suddenly having to be like oh fuck like now i need to move with urgency mm-hmm. um so as you're leaving though uh well okay previously if you got all of the if you saved all the ghosts in the game okay Mm -hmm. So this is one of the few sort of like gamey collectible things in here is as you save ghosts in the game, you get these things called astral pieces Mm -hmm. souls, which yeah, you get souls. You get dark souls. Yeah. You use the comic book to go talk to the dude we mentioned earlier and trade them for items. So if you save every ghost in the game and you trade them all to this dude, he kind of like, there's a weird cutscene with him telling you that like the red stone is amazing and that you're probably going to want it later. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of weird. Cause it's like, wait, aren't I trying to get rid of the red stone? So if you did that though, as you're leaving the ship, he opens a secret door and mm-hmm. invites you into a room where he's like, Hey, guess what I got right here, buddy. Red stone <laughs> in a dagger, just like that evil guy. You want it. And you're supposed to say no yeah uh and i guess uh, you can go and talk to him and say no and then you get a good ending and there's like a very slightly different ending if you just don't even go in at all Mm -hmm. uh which seems kind of crazy like you'd have to know that you weren't supposed to do that yeah but anyway so you say no to him you leave the ship uh you see kreya basically the ship disappears uh and you're you live everything's fine (laughs) and she's like she's like just think about all the people you saved and then the credits roll while there's like a super cut of all the people you saved (laughs) and then at the end of the credits there's like a picture a signed picture of her that pops up and it makes no sense but there's like inspiring music playing so it's like yes this is the good ending this is good (laughs) i have no idea what's going on the entire time (laughs) yeah it's really weird and kind of funny but what's the what's the bad ending that you got i somehow i like the cop was driving me home like the same cop from the intro because it all Uh all this happened in like a moment of time apparently right um 
the cop's driving me home and he says like oh your stuff is in the trunk and you go like open the trunk and the red dagger's there yeah and then you gotta you gotta split that cup (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the reason that i say that there isn't a huge difference here is because like i mean in the good ending it's like i guess you saved everybody or something but you sort of just saved whoever you saved and at the end of the game the the comic guy tries to give you the stone and even if you don't take it it's like wait he can just make those whenever he wants isn't he just gonna make another one and give it to like somebody else and then this is all gonna happen again what's up with this comic guy is he like the devil he looks like blade yeah i guess he's super evil evil blade he's definitely the coolest guy in the game for sure yeah like Like, wesley snipes is pretty cool his voice actor is awesome also of all miracles it has the power to grant you any wish but yeah it's kind of just like very weird and sort of nonsensical but like heartwarming i guess (laughs) (laughs) that's it's not where i find my enjoyment from this game yeah I mean, like we were talking about, the story is cool in the sense that it shows you a lot of different environments. You get to meet a lot of interesting characters. The The sort of frame story, it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did like it when that big signed picture of Crea Rockwell popped up. Because I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Print that out and frame it. Dude, Echo Knight slaps. I love this game. Totally. 100%. I really enjoyed playing it. I think if you can get it in a way where it's enjoyable for you to play it and you can put up with the rudimentary nature of its take on the walking sim genre, mm-hmm. you're going to enjoy it a lot. It definitely doesn't like quote unquote, hold up to the test of time. Like you would hope in ter- especially in terms of it being just like a first person experience. But if you can get over that, it's just a, a staunchly PS one experience, you know? Yeah, I mean, I actually don't agree with that. I think it held up way better than I expected it to. I mean, like... If you give this to, like, a 13-year-old, they're going to be like, what the fuck is this? Well, sure, but not as much as, like, if you gave them, you know, the game we're going to talk about next. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, no. (laughs) Hey, I'm I'm being cautious here. (laughs) but you know what i mean even like okay like i also even feel like some survival horror games that like have tank controls and no dual analog i think those might even be somewhat more impenetrable Hmm. but maybe that's just me also like i said i mean i played this with fake dual analog controls i made my own fun so yeah yeah y'all y'all kids can figure it out (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't even know how like a remaster of this game would even work like i feel like that's just it like if they just made it so you could do the control scheme that i jankied up with x patter like that just kind of does enough and then maybe through like a manual that came with it that's like hey you need to equip the gloves to use them oh yeah (laughs) some shit like throw some widescreen in there Nah, I don't know. put a border. Put a border with that signed picture on it, dude. <laughs> this shouldn't be too hard. It should. It should be out there, though. I mean, Echo Knight, like, it's a cool series. Yeah. It's a bummer that this shit is not available to people. You know. Echo Knight Collection from Soft. Where you at? Yeah, dude. 
what is FromSoft doing with all their old games, honestly? Nothing. They're cashing in on that Dark Souls energy. Yeah, they're, they're making that uh, Game of Dark Souls, that Game of Thrones Dark Souls collab. Yeah. Echo Knight, four stars. Yeah, Echo Knight slaps. Play Echo Knight. I mean, there's so much. Like, people stalking you in the catacombs. There's, like, old-timey train murder mysteries. Yeah. I mean, the direction's cool with the spinning camera angles and stuff like that. Yeah. You get time warps and ghost friends and gambling. Like, what else do you want? It's sort of a couple things that it reminds me of. It's sort of like the original Evil Within, where the story doesn't make sense, but they're just like, yeah, we want to do a mystery murder on a train. And like, yeah, we want to go to a castle and have a king get murdered. <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, we want to do this. It's definitely got that vibe. Put it on the pizza. Yeah. it's <laughs> Dude, yeah, it's definitely the everything pizza of video games. It has a similar aesthetic in a lot of ways to some of those old PC adventure horror games. Mm. Games that are way less fun to play, like Seventh Guest or the original Alone in the Dark. Mm -hmm. Or that, not less fun to play, but there's more barriers to playing them. Like, getting used to those interfaces could be really difficult. I feel like Echo Knight is slicker than those games, but it has that 90s like... Uh, primary color gothic look mm. that all those old PC games had. And so it's like, if you like that look and that aesthetic, but you wanted it in a little bit slicker, more modern package, I feel like Echo Knight's got that. And it's still old and janky enough to give you those vibes too. For sure. Yeah. It's got that PS1 drip. Yeah, dude. It's 1998 as fuck. <laughs> I would even, it feels 96 to me. You know, I feel like it came out a little late for how it feels. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, w- I actually thought it came out in 96. Mm-hmm. If you notice throughout the episode, I keep having weird time things where I say the wrong thing. It's because in my head, <laughs> this game is like so 96. So I'm not having a stroke. I just really thought this game came out in 1996. <laughs> I mean, Kingsfield did come out in one of those tall PS1 boxes, like the mm-hmm. absolute first run. I'm pretty sure this is like the Kingsfield engine. So Oh, yeah. It's running on that tech yeah totally yeah cool so yeah play it echo night play it game club game club uh next the playstation one classic clock tower if you say so (laughs) ollie's favorite game of 2020 clock tower ps1 that's not accurate but all right (laughs) also known as clock tower 2 if you're right but if you're wrong it's clock tower it's it really is clock tower too really also like playing it without playing the first game you would really have no idea what the whole first part of the game is about oh totally yeah like yeah we'll talk about it next week but yeah clock tower yeah it picks up immediately after the first one (laughs) like damn yeah anyways after that Galerians? Galerians. Yes. Dude, we're keeping the PS1 love train rolling. I guess we're doing PS1 month. Yeah. <laughs> Inadvertently doing PS1 month. Uh, I like it. But 
I love it. Yeah, playing these all these PS1 games definitely giving me some vibes. Give me all the polygons, all twelve of them. <laughs> love it. Uh...